and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast, funded by the Legend of the Five Rings Community Discord Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Korvar. I'm Kakita Kaori. One thing that came up in discussion this week that I thought we, we hadn't addressed really was education. Yeah, how do your samurai get taught what they need to get taught in order to be samurai? and how that might be part of your games. It's an important aspect of samurai life because a samurai has to be very educated. That's one of the things about them. And who your sensei is and what dojo you studied in is very often something that gets brought up in samurai dramas. It's a very key, important thing. There are stories, anime, manga, movies, TV shows that are pretty much all about life in the dojo. So it's, I think it's a, an important thing to incorporate into your L5R game. No matter how you get educated, there is three relationships that are key in your education in Rokugan. And those relationships are the relationships between the sensei, the senpai, and the kohei. The sensei is the main instructor. He's the person with the senior skills. He often or she, often runs the, a school, a dojo, uh, or an individual teaching, mentoring relationship. And a kohai is the student being taught, the pupil, as it were. The other relationship is the senpai, and a senpai is a senior student. So in many dojos, many schools... If you take modern martial arts lessons, Mm. too, the senpai, the senior students, do a lot of the teaching of the younger students. And this is a relationship that can work in different ways, but is maintained through your life. It's it's a a relationship, so it it can change. You are the kohai to this senior student and senpai to students younger than you. Um, but how the sensei work vary in how much is being taught by the senpai, how much the sensei is teaching themselves, how much they interact with the students at all. Yeah, you probably have, if you've watched any anime at all, you have probably heard senpai and kohai. That senpai notice me is really important. And that's it's just such a key kind of thing. So in Rokugan... We have this thing where there are very broad, when we talk about, say, the Kakita dojos, the Hida dojos, and so on, they're more like academies. They're they're very broad, and there are a lot of individual dojos underneath that umbrella. Right, like the Kakita Academy and the Hida War College and the Okoto War College are are very formal, yeah. Mm. Uh, And they imply it's a big building. (laughs) Yeah, there is an implication, implication of that. How that filters down to individual small dojos is another thing. but So that's probably going to be much more formal. You're going to have the sensei teaching classes, big classes, very rigid instruction. The senior students have specific duties that are laid out to teach younger students. And there's going to be competition between the students for either their senpai's attention, and but then when they are the senpai themselves, when they are themselves senior students, competition for sensei's attention 
to get that special training. That's going to be a big feature. And these can be pretty large, though. They've never actually specified what they are. You can't get a class, an individual class with more than, well, there's a lot of ways to do it. They, the class, they can get pretty big. So I think different clans take different takes on this in their training. We'll talk about that a little later. Below the academies, and these could be linked to the academies, or they can be those students who don't go to the academies. Because even mm. if you are a Hidabushi, that doesn't mean necessarily you went to the Hida War College. It would be too, yes. too big. <laughs> too big, too spread out. I think the implication is that there are, it, it's like you can learn Shotokan Karate today. But you're probably learning at a local level. There's some local person who runs an individual dojo, that's Shotokan. And then, or possibly, if you're really good, you might then go to the academy, which is for the, the best of the best kind of thing. So your student can have gone to the academy, and BCs are, are special snowflakes, so they're more likely to have gone to the academies. But if you want... Your PC didn't have to go to the academy. They can have gone to individual dojos. And individual dojos would be in the villages, in towns. They wouldn't be necessarily in a big central location. But they could be in a big city. You could have half a dozen or more separate dojos within the city. Easily. Easily. And Uh, each dojo would be an individual sensei with five to 20 students and they you wouldn't want too many and they'd still have senior students teaching younger students it just is yeah. uh you know more informal i think that there would be a competition between dojos that's a big trope as i understand it in in samurai movies and stuff i mean one of the things that miyamoto musashi which he is one of the more famous samurai one of the things that catapulted him to fame was his feud, essentially, with the the Yoshiaka do, dojo. So the Yoshiaka school, and he challenged the master to a duel, and then because he beat them, and then beat, beat that person, and then the students went, "Oh, we're very annoyed," and it ended up with you know him fighting the entire school, and so that was actually really big thing that happened and was part of what led to Musashi becoming as famous as he was. So yeah, it's it's a thing. The competition can be friendly, it can be vicious, it all depends on a lot of factors. And it's going to depend on what you want from your game, really. But it can be a friendly competition, like we just want to try out our stuff against each other, but we really like each other, it's fine, it's all sport. Or it can be, we hate those guys, we must defeat them. Those both show up. And you also get individual sensei who don't really have a school as such. They have a house and they will teach individuals on an individual basis. And it won't be that kind of, I'm paying you money to be my sensei. Or I am joining your school, I'm going to be part of your school. It's down to an individual level. So, like, the Cooney famously do this. They'll just have one Cooney and they take one or two apprentices and they wander around doing Cooney things with their yep. one or a couple of apprentices. The other way that that could work is if you have a you know, wealthy household and your mm. child didn't make it into the academy, 
find the best sensei who you could, yeah. you know, the best swordsman you can hire for your household, who is now your sensei. Yeah. Or if you just, if you're from a wealthy household and you think that, you, well, you might just want personal training for your kid. So your kid maybe right. could go to the academy, but no, you want private tuition because you're a rich snob, basically. And a sensei who did run a school and then has retired but does take on the occasional student, that's another common trope, uh, comes up in the movie Hidden Blade, which is one of my favorite samurai movies, where one of, one of, the, one of the issues is like, uh, oh no, I have to fight against my friend because he's become a renegade and I have to fight against him, but he was always better than me at the dojo. I must go back to my old master and ask him for help. And that was the thing. <laughs> so that, it was exactly that setup where the master had basically retired, but he's, he would still teach one or two of his favorite students. So you have that really individual relationship. Yeah, you can have your character have any of those kinds of backgrounds. It's all good stuff. It's all fine. Yep. The basic steps, though, that would be true for pretty much any samurai character in mm-hmm. Rokugan is that your early education would be basically from your mother, your nursemaid, whoever it was that was doing your basic raising of you. So you would learn to write and read and the basics of Bushido and stuff directly from your family or the servants that they hired to do it. Most of the academies open around age 10 from what we've read in New 5R. You'd be versed in kata and like the basics of your you know, family's preferred school style, even if you went to another clan. <laughs> do, do your shuji exercises, whatever the courtier equivalent of kata is. You're right. You'd, you'd, you'd be familiar with that from very early age, from before 10. And you'd enter your formal education around 10. And right now, it looks like Genpuku is happening around 16 or 17 years old when you are an adult. And then if you were wanting to go on to be a sensei yourself, you, if you are very promising and it looks like you would be valuable to your clan that way, you might go do some things, but you know, the best of the best, teaching others is a good thing. You might stay at your academy. You might stay at your a senpai at a dojo, but you become mm-hmm. a, you take advanced training before you get to be a sensei yourself. That's your job is training to be a sensei. It's not, you happen to pick it up and become a sensei by accident afterwards. You, you are trained in being a sensei. Yeah. And competition for that role, competition to be the person who will take over the dojo after the sensei retires. A lot of conflict, a lot of competition, many plots yeah. available there. That's why you want sensei to notice you. <laughs> Definitely. Absolutely. So that's the basic steps of education for a samurai. But we thought we'd have a quick look at the kind of broader view of what each individual clan might be like, details that they do and no one else does. So just to clarify, these are my interpretations of how yeah. each clan would vary in its education. It is not spelled out very well in the books how clans vary in their education. A few names are thrown out, uh, and stories have brought up references that make me draw on that inspiration for these. But this is mostly my idea, and you can find these 
on craneclan.weebly.com, the Winter Garden of the Kikita, which is my website. So don't think that these are formal approved, like standard in the book somewhere. That they're, they're, they're mm. not. But we do have colleges that we know about. The Crab mm. have the Hida War College. That's their biggest school. And then in my imagination, I've got them mm. in a, a set of competing small dojos all across Crablands. These are taught by senior senpai, people who are training to be a sensei, under the instruction of a regional sensei. So because the crab need a lot of their manpower on the wall, they don't necessarily have a large number of senseis, and many of them are injured yeah, or otherwise not doing wall duty yeah. uh, for various reasons. So probably large class sizes. But they're very physical and very practical. Yeah. So the reason I wanted, I went with the small dojos. You have each small dojo, there might be half a dozen or more in a town, a couple in every village even. Each one has a senpai in it with students. And then the sensei might be for the whole town or a a couple of villages and go around to all of them and observe them and give lessons and then let the senpai run. So this sets up a good atmosphere for all those senpai are trying to be noticed by the regional sensei who's not there every day. And that sets up a good competing dojo aspect Mm. as you try to be the best dojo in town so that you are the one who gets the special training from the regional sensei so that he he parks in your dojo to teach him. So I think mm. that Crablands are really good for the competing dojos stuff. A lot of rough yeah, housing, yeah. but not necessarily lethal yeah, uh, that, stuff they, in Crablands. Really so would, I like that vibe. Definitely wouldn't be that <laughs> lethal, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I can definitely see that. It, and, and a lot of individuals, yeah, I really like the idea that the, the competition to just excel, not necessarily compete directly, let's go and, and punch them, but it's let's do the best at this competition. And really you can go punch them, you're are. just not... You can go punch. I, I imagine them punching each other because crab do a lot of the hand to hand thing, but they won't kill each other. Beating no, each other up is a mark of honor. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. But yeah. it's about toughening each other up. So that works for the crab in general, too. That should be nice. And you can take a hit, right? The crane, have, of course, have the Kikita Academy, which is probably the most famous of the uh, dojos. It's got a reputation that in general, unless they flunk out of their entrance exams or something like that. Even emperors go there. The Kikita Academy, I see it having, is by invitation only, and you need to pass an exam to get in, and is very formal. Kikita Shoshimoko is the headmaster, and it's very prestigious. So I am running a Kikita Academy game right now. I have a whole bit on my webpage about how I think that's organized and run. But this is very hierarchical class, big classes. This is your quintessential, uh, you know, school, big school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. And then there are local dojos, but not so many because the Academy is so prestigious that the local dojos are unlikely to, be able to compete, and so they won't get the kind of uh, prestige that they might otherwise. 
But Mm -hmm. when there are local dojos, it's that a group of samurai parents will hire sensei for their town. Yeah, they will find a good swordsmaster who is available and good enough to be a sensei, and they will either have them to themselves in their nice fancy house or, you know, for a group of students at the town. There are dojos in southern crane lands and stuff that are generally mm-hmm. not so prestigious, but they're not as hierarchical on there. Like I said, yeah. stri- they, that sensei got hired, no matter how you how you uh, label it nicely. Invited to stay mm-hmm. and live with us and teach our Yeah, kids. yeah. You don't hire people. Oh, no. Not samurai. You wouldn't hire them. No, you just, why don't you come live with us? It'd be great. <laughs> We're lovely people. So, how do you see the dragon? Yeah. <laughs> All my visions for the dragon uh, are based on Shaolin Kung Fu. They have these really big classes. They don't like the strict hierarchical system quite so much as where there are many classes and all laid out neatly like the crane. So they have to rebel against that. But they have a sensei and I, I just see them like standing on a platform in front of a hundred students doing their form a couple of times and then you will find your own way and then going off. And then it's up to the senior senpai working with the students less formally to try and help all the students adapt it to themselves, adapt what the senior, what the sensei showed everybody. What do you think? I would say that that sounds absolutely on point for the Tagashi. Because mm-hmm. the Tegashi are, quite frankly, the Shaolin Temple. <laughs> but I think the Miramoto might be different. The Miramoto might be a much more personal, especially because the dragon just don't have the numbers, generally. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, in the, with the Tegashi, all the Tegashi go to one place. So you can have those big classes. But I think maybe for the Miramoto, it might be more. Also, I just like contrasting the Miramoto with the Tagashi. I like them being differently. That's one of the fun things about the Dragon Clan is that they're a mishmash of people. So the Miramoto might have that more very individual training. One, you know, a few students. But again, they're very much going to, I'm going to show you the basics. I'm going to show you the kata. But then I'm going to expect you to do a lot of work yourself on how to apply that, how to make that your own. To learn from it. I'm almost giving you, when I show you this kata or I show you this technique, I'm giving you a riddle you need to unravel. Yes, that's very much dragon. Yeah, yeah. And because I think the dragon are more spread out just because of the population mm-hmm. issues. And if they're not the Degashi in all the high house of light, you can have smaller numbers. I think that's going to fit that way. And like I say, I like having the Miramoto and the Tagashi being quite different. It makes sense. It could even have been one way formally. And then changed because of the birth rates. Absolutely, absolutely. So we've got the lion. <laughs> For the lion, they have the Okoto War College, which is very, very famous. There's a lot of fictions established with the lion as a child training with an experienced Ashigaru or Jisamurai from a very young age. So the lion... They have, well, especially the Matsu have this this matriarchal society that, you know, very much prizes uh, a woman as a leader and a warrior, but but maybe downplays a little bit of the aspects of parenting. And there's a lot of stories that kind of talk about a lot of the parenting 
being done by the servants, which is totally what happened in Japan, too. So don't think that this is unusual. So I see a selected Ashigaru or Jizamurai from, or a lower ranked samurai, depending on your household level, being selected from your leader's troop, from your, from the parents' troops, or co- Depends on the rank, of course, but kind of, kind of rank uh, below wherever your parents are. The rank below, or maybe the rank two. below, yeah, would be invited and join to be the personal sense of the students, just from a very early age, and then to go to the Akota War College or if they, you know, subsidiary dojos if there were them, big ones. There would be a lot of competitions, I see it, in Lionlands, where you would go and compete at festivals and things. And then there would be sensei from the war college that are basically there at these festivals to recruit. Ah, yeah, look, he's the winner of this. That He looks like he has talent. Let's have him sent to the war college to mm. you know, advance his training. So I, I see a lot of competitions with a lot of a lot of festivals with a lot of co- martial competitions involved, and then there are senseis who are recruiters, yeah, who then pull students out of these competitions and say and tell their parents he's good enough, we'll take him. Or, I think you'd also have to have the huge mass ranks training purely mm-hmm. because the Akoda, the lion are so much about military. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to get that unit cohesion. So you would also, this might be like the second stage after you've proved yourself and you've won all these competitions and someone's recruited you. Now you go on the, that like secondary education. A lot of everyone does the same thing. Everyone does the same exercise in unison because you're going to be fighting in units. Whereas, but although the ones who have to be, who are groomed to be commanders might get more of the one-on-one individual training because they're, going to be the one person in charge of that huge unit. Yeah, I think I see it a little differently in that I think that most lion samurai would get this individual training as children and that lion samurai as adults are continuously in training. Mm. That's that, that go off as an adult and the majority of lion troops, like that's what they do. They might take their winters off to go hang around the house, but they are there to train. <laughs> you know, that, that's their full-time job, basically, barring an actual war coming up. I figure they get their group tactics stuff from there unless they are, you know, special snowflakes. Let's see. The Phoenix have, I see them as having inspired, based on crane system in general, but yeah, not... I see the Phoenix as being very test-locked, okay? And doing more one-on-one kohai to senpai relationship. So rather than as senpai teaching a class or a group of people, you as a senior student by your sensei say, okay, you're given this younger student kohai. And that relationship between senpai and kohai for Phoenix, I see as being maintained for years. Like your, much of your training uh, as you come in. And then what happens is the senior, the sensei teaches the kohei who teaches, uh, teaches the senpai who teaches the kohei. So most of the teaching is done 
uh, senpai to Kohei. And then what happens is to check the senpai and check you, you have a lot of these huge series of tests to see, can you, I don't care how you teach this thing, senpai, or senpai to be, but at the end of it, they should be able to show me the heaven's wing kata, or they should be able to light the candle, or whatever it is that, that, you know, they might not be super formal tests, though some of the ones with Shugenja, I'm sure, very much are. Oh yeah, I, I, there. I, I can see the Shugenja mostly being certainly the Asawa being really academic, like it's a university. That's what it would be like, I think. But yeah, it's, you get the graduate students teaching the undergrads and the senior undergrads teaching the junior undergrads, exactly like that. But very much Oxford, Cambridge, Ivy League for those of you who are not in Britain, I suppose. The one thing is that's different. <laughs> the one thing that's different is that I think that each Shiginja needs to establish their own relations with the Kami, which is why the teachers will observe the outcome and test on that and, mm-hmm. and control the outcome, but not necessarily control how you do it. Yeah. If, if that makes sense. That's why it's so test locked. I suspect that there's a whole bunch of different possibilities that each individual may want for their own personal private rock again but yeah mm-hmm. i yeah yeah do, do you test the outcome do you test their formal knowledge do you do both do you sometimes test the formal knowledge and do you sometimes test the just the outcome and, and not how they get there those are both possibilities they could both be happening for individual topics mm-hmm. yeah scorpion the, the scorpion we actually have some fairly good examples from various characters past about how the scorpion do this they have a very public very outward facing if, welcome to anybody type of training that's similar to the crane you know open just like what we described for the crane because the crane yeah yeah you know, set culture so they, they like the scorpion are the dark mirror of the crane but if you are a student that shines, in different ways in your class. Remember, everything's open, so everybody can come see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people will, observers, they might have just seemed like a standby. An observer will come by and see, ah, he looks promising. Yeah. For things you have done on or off the dojo floor. And if you look promising to that person, you will be pulled out of your class you will still have to go to your class during the day. You will still do everything like every other student. But in your off hours, you will be receiving a whole new curriculum targeted to something that the Scorpion wants you to do. Mm-hmm. So everything's really apparent and upfront with the Scorpion. But then Scorpion have to do it. Students have to do a double day as they go to their second instructor, their second sensei to learn the other stuff. And if anybody finds out they're doing the other stuff while they're in class, then You've they obviously failed. flunked the other yeah. stuff. <laughs> so. uh, until you do think, aha, I only let them see this to, to, that I was doing this stuff because actually I was doing this third thing, all according to <laughs> Keikaku. And finally for the unicorn. Sounds like being um, a scorpion's a hard job, but hey. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's hard work to look that good. So for the unicorn, I see them as having a very family-oriented education system. So 
I, I guess my version of the unicorn is more nomadic. There might be some that some people choose not to have it, but I see them having these central locations that they go to uh, and, and gather or where you might report to if you were a new student. But you basically get stuck on a in, in a band if you were a bat yeah. maiden. You would be put in a, a band of other wannabe battle maidens and a couple of regular battle maidens, and you'd go around battle maidening. And it, it would work like a family group with no, not really big lines of division between the people who are acting as the sensei, say, and the people who are acting as the students. Just you'd eat together, you'd travel together, you'd play together and this vibe of it being more play yeah that it's, it's all within that group it's you, you you almost don't move out of the village because the village moves with you exactly and and if you are coming from someplace else someplace more fixed you would be integrated in like a member of the family into this traveling band and if you graduate and leave and get assigned to other duties you would leave the band but new people hmm I also like the idea that there are individual masters who possibly can't move around as much as they used to, but because they are old and wise, you may want to seek those people out. And they would be super special isolated, even more than you might get, say, Dragonland, where all the ancient sages are up a mountain, because <laughs> pretty much everyone in Dragonlands is up a mountain, quite frankly. But the unicorn lands can be really remote, and really far away from civilization. And maybe there's that individual master who lives in, in their little yurt out in the middle of nowhere. And finding that person is almost a quest in itself to get that final bit of training that you can't get anywhere else. That could also be a fun extra to add to that. Absolutely. A bit of flavor. So those are some ways to flavor it. This is all written up, like I said, on my website. And you can take your own approach, but those are my ideas. <laughs> yeah, those are some, yeah. Yeah, so these are ideas you can consider. We'll have a, a link to all of that in the show notes. So we had a, a quick look at the general idea of how people get educated and then started looking like individual clans. So that's all sorts of fun and interesting stuff for you to check out. But I think that's us for this week. Indeed it is. We wanted to give a call out to our Court Games Network, including the L5R LCG podcast, our two uh, actual role-playing podcasts, Crimson Cold Agonies and Fortune and Strife, as well as our new friends at D20 Radio. Our content is funded by the Community Discord Patreon, and that supports our editing cost, as well as the website, courtgamespod.com. And that's where we have long-term storage information. We have articles on role games we have rpg resources and tools and much more for our patrons we've got special bonus content like adventure seeds early access to podcast episodes and other sorts of con cool content yep online you can find us at courtgamespod.com on twitter you can find us at twitter.com slash courtgamespod and on patreon at patreon.com slash courtgames but that's it for us this week. This is Kikita Kaori. May the fortunes favor you. And I've been Korval. And until we meet again, keep your jade handy. <laughs> <laughs>